Hello, everyone. I'm Paul Menzel. And I'm Jim Conlon. And this is New Tricks for Old Dogs. Our podcast features the many ways us older men and women howl at the moon, odd news items you don't normally hear about, and conversations with other old dogs who are growing bolder, not older. So if you've got 25 minutes or so, grab a cup of coffee, pull up a chair, and join us. In this episode, the old dogs ramble about the new administration buzzword, infrastructure. We school you in the proper use of some oft-misused phrases. We learn how wine ages after a year in space. Weren't you curious? We offer our first commentary from Kathleen O'Brien, our chief aging officer. We find out who is still buying VHS tapes. And we fear about a guy who thinks that getting locked up is better than getting locked down. The old dog's conversation is with Ted Weisgall, a man on a mission to introduce Robert's Rules of Order to every kid on the planet. Stay with us. So, Paul, yo, what is on your mind? Well, you know, our title on this episode uh, talks about aging infrastructure. Yes, I can vouch for that. Our aging infrastructure, <laughs> but, you know... There is a big dialogue going on now nationally about fixing our physical infrastructure right. in this country. Yeah. Big issue. Yep, it is. Uh, I don't know. What's your thoughts on it? Well, obviously, there is a lot to think about. There are roads that are deteriorating, bridges that are collapsing. There are systems like the internet that are part of the infrastructure. That's a good point, Jim. There are large portions of this country, mostly rural areas, mm -hmm. that don't have access to the internet. And that's holding them back because we are using the internet for education now, for information, for purchasing goods. It's important that that stay up to date. There are systems like our power grid that uh, failed in the state of Texas, where we live. Absolutely. Big dramatic problem, because yeah. uh, there were several things that hadn't been properly weatherized. Weatherized, yeah. And th the truth is, probably a sixth grader with an iPad could bring down the power grid in the United States. Hmm. And we need to find that, that kid <laughs> and stop him. <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it, I think it's a pretty clear-cut issue, but it gets muddy when it ends up in Congress. You're spending too much. Well, we need to have this uh, favorite thing as part of the package, and it just goes on and on. But if, if we could focus just on replacing infrastructure in this country, highways, the Internet, uh, buildings that are essential, bridges, uh, airports, this is important. Or we're going to become a third-world nation. Well, yeah, uh, and I agree that a lot of that does have to be done. I absolutely agree. I mean, if you have ever taken a trip across uh, a, a state that has a failing road system, which is practically oh, everywhere. Oh, name a state. Come on. <laughs> South of the Mason-Dixon line? Is that what we're talking about? I'm thinking about? maybe uh, the largest state in the lower 48. Oh, okay. You're going you're gonna to find some pretty bumpy roads. And uh, I wouldn't say that they're entirely hazardous, but they could be in places. I think that all of this is obvious and everybody agrees, right? What people have trouble with is the amount of money we're going to have to spend to do it. It's going to be awesome. You know, we didn't talk about trains. You know, the railroad system, we hear about trains derailing right and left. Yeah, we need to upgrade that also. It's a, it's a huge, huge expense, but it's essential. 
Now, on, on the bright side, if we do become a third world nation... We'll get funding tr- from some other country. Or tourist dollars, too. <laughs> or, Don't oh, we okay, love to yeah. go to those third world countries? <laughs> <laughs> the spoken word is never as precise as the written word. There are several phrases that tend to be misspoken. This pod nugget is from the Word Genius website. Have you ever considered extracting revenge? Oh, often. Okay, that would mean you removed it from consideration, Paul. Exacting revenge means your desire for revenge needs to be satisfied. How about I could care less? Oh, yeah. That would mean you have lower levels of caring that you haven't reached yet. The phrase should be, I couldn't care less if you want to reach the bottom of caring less. Okay, next is worse comes to worse. That would mean the level of worse has remained the same. The correct phrase is, worse comes to worst. Then it's time to duck and cover. i got to admit, I've done that one. Mm. Have you ever used the phrase, do a 360? Well, that would mean you've come full circle back to where you started. If you want to change directions, try doing a 180. There is no statue of limitations. Hmm. It's hard to imagine what that statue would look like. It probably you or I, Jim. <laughs> that phrase you want is the statute of limitations, which defines the length of time that you can be charged with a crime. Skills can be honed, but you can't hone in on something. Mm-hmm. The correct term is to home in, which means you are getting close to your goal. And finally... Have you ever tried to nip something in the butt? No, never. (laughs) The actual phrase is to nip it in the bud, meaning to stop it before it can grow. Now, that's a whole different nip without the risk of arrest. There are some hazards to loosely speaking, after all. It has been somewhat of a fad to send things to the space station to see how they are affected by a stay in space. Well, one of the recent experiments involved 12 bottles of French wine. This pod nugget is from the Houston Chronicle for March 25th, 2021. The cargo was a rather expensive Bordeaux, along with snippets of grapevines. The experiment was to investigate how space radiation and low gravity would affect the aging of the wine. I guess two-buck Chuck from Trader Joe's wasn't sophisticated enough. Hmm. The wine returned home after 12 months in space and was compared to bottles of the same vintage that remained on Earth. In a blind taste test, 12 different wine connoisseurs agreed that weightlessness didn't ruin the wine. Additionally, it seemed to energize the vines that went along for the ride. How can you tell if a vine is energized? (laughs) At any rate, ask them. We are not sure about the application of this experiment unless it leads to a wine cellar on the space station. (laughs) But I think it's safe to conclude that the people thinking up these experiments have too much time (laughs) on their hands. And now, ladies and gentlemen, a word from our chief aging officer, Kathleen O'Brien. Sometimes when I see myself in the mirror, I think I look better than I did 30 years ago. I should be embarrassed to admit this. We're not supposed to say favorable things about our own looks. But I'm not talking about beauty as our culture defines it. I'm talking about my own impression of myself and how I feel about the way I look now that I'm in my 70s. In my informal survey of other women my age, I found they're pretty happy with their aging appearance, too. 
This flies in the face of all the advertising that encourages women to look, feel, and act younger than they are. We're prodded to want facelifts and tummy tucks, teeth whitening like George Hamilton's, and a neck like Jane Fonda's new one. Maybe we do want these things in moments of negative self-assessment or because society has conditioned us to want them. We're expected to be dissatisfied with growing older and even disdain the word old. The point is, I am old, like a tree that is old, a piece of art, a champagne that is being auctioned. When I was young, a teenager, I was not happy with the way I looked. My skin broke out, I had braces, I was taller than the boys I thought were cute. In my mind, I didn't measure up. But I measure up now because what I valued when I was young has changed. I care less about a popular view of attractiveness. Now I find the older face beautifully accessible. Features are gentler. When I look at my friends, I am privy to years of living that have shaped their equanimity and kindness. Why would they or I trade this late-stage reveal for a less expansive, less substantive outward appearance? Our culture wants us to measure beauty by youth standards, rarely by mature ones. We need to encourage each other to feel better about our aging selves. Let us be curious about our own aging paths and the faces and bodies that go with them. 70 is not the new 50. 70 is the enlightened 70. Just look in the mirror. The last video cassette recorder was produced in 2016, but surprisingly there is a flourishing market in vintage VHS cassette tapes. This item is from the New York Times for February 20th, 2021. Like most of you, I got rid of my VHS tapes when the DVD technology took over. I tried to sell them at a garage sale six years ago. There were like four big boxes. <laughs> Not a single one of my hundreds of VHS tapes sold. So they ended up in a dumpster. However, like the popularity of old vinyl records, there is a large group of VHS fans who have continued to collect the tape cassettes. Recently, a limited edition VHS copy of The Little Mermaid was offered for sale on Etsy for $45,000. So what is driving this collecting frenzy? Well, one factor is that many movies issued on VHS are not available on DVDs or the various streaming sites. Another factor is that many home movies recorded on the format are really difficult to part with. And finally, serious collectors have hundreds of hours of TV programming that they recorded in the 70s and 80s that contained period advertising and news breaks. They are a time capsule of a simpler time when entertainment options were more limited. However, there is a problem of finding a VCR to play the cassettes. Mm -hmm. In the case of vinyl records, there are still many options for turntables. But if you Google video cassette recorders, most of the options are used machines on eBay. So check out your attic for a vintage VCR. It could be worth some money. A man in England finally had enough of forced intimacy during the pandemic. He decided he would prefer being locked up to being locked down. This pod nugget is from Sky News for February 19, 2021. The Sussex police explained it this way. 
A wanted man was hiding out with friends during the pandemic. After months of sharing the space, they were getting on each other's nerves. Desperate for some peace and quiet, the wanted man turned himself in <laughs> to police. He said he would rather go back to prison than have to spend more time with the people he was living with. I think we can all understand the sentiment. According to a recent study, 53% of the people participating admitted they felt angry with other people they know because of their behavior during the pandemic. Unfortunately, few of us have the option of alone time in a lockup, so here's a few alternatives when you need some peace and quiet. Okay, take a bottle of wine to your patio. Open that thousand-page Better Homes and Gardens cookbook. Look for a recipe that needs only a handful of ingredients and no skill. As the sun sets, close the book, finish your wine, and call for delivery. Or pull out that easy-to-assemble roll-top desk you bought at Ikea a few months ago. When you find out you're missing several pieces, disassemble the desk and relax to the dancing flames as you burn it in your fireplace. <laughs> or barricade yourself in a closet with a large, difficult book like War and Peace. After a few hours, you will awake refreshed and ready to re-engage with your family. Oh, that's good advice, Jim. Thank you. Ted Weisskall may be in his mid-70s, but he always seems to be in the midst of some crusade. He has always cared deeply about social justice and a well-educated adult. Now he is turning his attention to children in a rather unique way. I'd like to ask you, Ted, what in your background and experience continues to motivate you today? I grew up in a family of activists. My father was a labor union organizer. My mother was a social worker in New York City. In our household, there was a whole lot of treat others as you would like to be treated, promote the general welfare, liberty and justice for all. Those are some uh, principles that I grew up with. And I think uh, those are certainly some fundamental things that uh, have uh, stuck with me. Ted, uh the three of us have something in common, leisure learning classes. You started leisure learning about the time I started my comedy workshop. Can you tell us a little bit about what was behind leisure learning? I liked uh, having a roof over my head and food on the table. Honestly, <laughs> I had been a campus activities advisor at the University of Houston uh, I lost my job there, and then I was lucky enough to get a job at the University of St. Thomas doing the same work. And when uh, I didn't get a permanent position there, I went to work for another place called the Class Factory. And the woman who hired me reneged on our agreement. And so people were urging me, including my late ex-wife, uh, to start up my own program. And I'd uh, been running around town distributing these other publications, and I saw a program at a YMCA that was called Leisure Learning. And I said, all of this is leisure learning, and if I ever start a business, I'm going to call mine Leisure Learning Unlimited. But it was a, a vehicle for me to do other things in my life, one of which was to teach a class uh, on how to have great meetings, the basics of parliamentary procedure or the basics of Robert's Rules of Order. And so, uh, so that's 
why I started leisure learning and well, well, I got to tell you, leisure learning uh, and both Jim and I taught classes there. The catalog was fascinating. Who thought there could be a course on this? You know, skydiving. What is the strangest class that you ever hosted? Well, since I was a strong believer in um, freedom of speech in this country, which is under uh, attack these days, I think I got a call from a woman who wanted to teach a class on, help me with this, it's where you do whips and chains and you, what, <laughs> what is it called? Um, a dominatrix. Ooh. Uh, that's the professional. Yeah. Yeah. yeah <laughs> she was talking about the life of a dominatrix. Does that qualify as the most unusual class no that sounds 50, perfectly normal to me what about you paul 50 or 60 people signed up for it <laughs> but more so, on a better note deep into the existence of leisure learning i decided to have a contest for valentine's day uh has leisure learning unlimited played a role in your romantic life and uh, one woman wrote in explaining that she met her husband on this uh, trip out to Big Bend National Park, and they now had two children. <laughs> so uh, we did some really good stuff. <laughs> well, Ted, now that leisure learning is over and you've moved on, what have you moved on to? Robert's Rules of Order, that thing I mentioned a few minutes ago, how to have great meetings. And for anybody who uh, is curious about this, I would urge them to Google bad meetings and the number $399 billion. That is what is estimated is being wasted every year in this country as a result of bad meetings. I've written a book with a professor at the University of Houston by the name of Dr. Martha Hahn. And we have uh, come up with a program by which people can begin teaching this class to children in kindergarten and by them continuing and following our recommendations, kids will continue learning this subject all the way through high school. And as a result, we believe that we will have an engaged citizenry. We're not talking about Robert's rules in one school, we're talking about it in all schools, not only in this country, but all over the world. We think that if people learn how to have good meetings, one of the consequences will be an end to war. If people learn how to talk with one another and do it with order, uh, the result will be that we'll figure out a way to resolve disputes in that way. But uh, that's really got me passionate. And let me just say one more thing about that. But because of lost connections, we have increased rates of anxiety, depression, and suicide. And we think that if people learn how to conduct and participate in good meetings, we will significantly reduce those problems. Now, I know you have taught Robert's Rules to some pretty young children. How do they take to it? They love it. They're engaged. And we have uh, seen multiple occasions where uh, kindergartners are given this opportunity, and they love it. Well, let's assume that this works, Ted. 
What are the obstacles that you see right now to getting this into schools, not just some schools, but all schools, just in terms of acceptance and in terms of cost? Uh, What we're dealing with is inertia. Uh, So I believe that if you just keep knocking on the door, knocking on the door, knocking on the door, eventually this inertia will uh, break down and uh, the system will change. Uh, I'm trying to understand, Ted, you're advocating on a, a grade school level, not just teaching the subject, but also encouraging teachers to incorporate Robert's rules into their teaching methods? I would rather it be a designated period of time, either once a day, once a week. And we think if you do one or two a week over the course of two years, second and third grade, and then practice it in fourth, fifth, and so on, you will end up being very expert at it when you uh, graduate high school. Now, is that a uniquely Western cultural uh, phenomenon? Is that something that's going to be difficult to uh, make popular worldwide? The United Nations operates under a certain set of rules that are very similar to what is in Robert's Rules of Order. Thanks for the question, Paul. That was great. (laughs) It was halfway decent. Am I (laughs) blushing? Uh, Yes, yes, yes. Well, you have done things in your life, Ted, that are focused uh, with passion, uh, with vision. And uh, I, I don't know where all of this is going to lead. I hope that it does lead to the accomplishment of that vision. What can you suggest to people our age who have, let's say, all had great life experiences, but perhaps don't have a focus at this point in their lives? What could you suggest to them that they look for? If you're looking for ecstasy, you're probably looking over the top. You just have to find out what you're passionate about and have a have a good experience, whether it's at home, cooking great food, whether it's uh, doing what I do when I'm not sitting on my keister, which is playing pickleball. But, you know, do whatever it is that you do that you're passionate about. Uh, My daughter once told me um, when I asked the question, uh, what did I do wrong as a parent? And her answer blew me away. Her answer was, you were a great parent. I don't think you made any mistakes. Well, of course I did, but, but getting that kind of affirmation, when you get affirmations for what you've done in your life, it motivates you to keep going. And if you know that what you're doing is right, but maybe it's just supporting your partner I'm so lucky to have a woman in my life who supports what I'm doing. If you can support another person or you can support a multiplicity of people, I'd say that's uh, what should motivate people to keep on keeping on. Thank you, sir. Paul, do you have anything to add, anything to ask? Uh, As a last thought, would you recommend one of your books for people that want to learn more about uh, your your position on Robert's Rules? Yeah, it's uh, 
it's one of the great things uh, about Amazon, and there are probably many things that aren't great about Amazon, is that if, if someone orders one of our books for about $20, they uh, will print it and ship it. They print on demand. This is a technology that has heretofore not existed. And uh, so uh, uh, that's how uh, they can get a copy of Robert's Rules of Order. Uh, they can also reach out to me. My email address is my first and last name. It's uh, Ted, T-E-D, Weisgall, W-E-I-S-G-A-L, at gmail.com. You didn't give us the full title of the book you are recommending. What was it again, please? Robert's Rules for Kids and Big Kids, A Guide to Teaching Children of All Ages, The Basics of Parliamentary Procedure, Second edition. Like what you've been hearing? How about sharing the joy with your friends? We can always use more listeners. There are more episodes on the way, so stay tuned and keep howling at the moon.